0: Open your Bibles, please, to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. So, right towards the back of your Bibles, there. Hebrews, James, 1st and 2nd, 3rd John. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, we'll use as our key text. And uh, it is our scripture passage, memory passage of the month. We'll get there at the end of our sermon today, too, as we continue our sermon series, Church 101. And so we go from the general that we've been talking about as far as authority and as far as leadership and membership and unity, now to the more specific about our church. Yeah, the sort of things we're going to hear today are somewhat general in that making disciples, what God has called us to do is the job of every church, but we talk about purpose and why do we exist Eric Geiger said it this way, the why must go before the what, and every what should be rooted in the why. We've got to know why. We've got to know purpose. So if you're able to stand with me in the honor of reading God's word, would you join me in doing so? And we'll read these two verses, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. It says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Pray with me. Our Father, as we open your word and we come to a time of studying scripture, we do ask that if there's anything in our minds or our hearts That would hinder us here clearly hearing from you. That we would confess that now. And repent and turn from that. That we might be able to fully engage your Holy Spirit. God, we thank you for your grace for us. Your mercy for us. Your love for us. And as we come now to consider our purpose as individuals and as a church. We ask that you would speak to us. We ask it in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. 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 So as you're seated, I hope you have your outlines open, because I'm going to jump right in. At the very top of your outline, in that handwriting type font, and that font is literally called handwriting, there is uh, a phrase that says, the purpose of Southview Baptist Church is to... Grow Christ followers. So there you go, right off the top. We got your three blanks filled in. We're off to a good start. This is going to be a quick sermon, right? Maybe not. It's still just 10.01. I got plenty of time. The purpose, or our purpose, is to grow Christ followers. And you might say that a couple different ways. And I I like to make it more active and say growing Christ followers is why we exist. And so knowing that why makes all the difference and knowing that the why should always come before the what and the what should always be rooted in the why makes all the difference. Some of you may have seen the video clip I'd like us to show you, but Richard's back there and he's going to turn it on for us and dim the lights a little bit so you can see it more easily. But it's Christian comedian Michael Jr. on what he calls break time. And I'll just let that clip play from here.
1: How do I know? A lot of people, when they think of the phrase, how do I know, they always want to put the what behind it. How do I know what I'm supposed to do? The the question that you really should ask is, how do I know why I'm here? Because when you know your why, your what becomes more clear and more impactful. If you know, like, for instance, um, people know that I do comedy, but that's what I do. My why is to inspire people to walk in purpose. So I can do comedy. I can write books. I can be in a movie because all of it is motivated by my why. In fact, I have a new, uh, a new web series out called Michael Jr. Break Time. Uh, we probably just did the sixth episode. It's on YouTube. So every single Wednesday at 3 o'clock, we drop a new episode on YouTube of Michael Jr. Break Time. What it is is it's me. I travel around the country, and I do stand-up comedy, in case you didn't know. And in the middle of my comedy set sometime, I'll stop and just talk to my audience. And we've been filming this, and it's, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. So we're in Winston-Salem. I'm going to show you a clip from Winston-Salem. And I'm just talking to this guy in the audience, and he tells me that he's a, uh, a musical instructor at a school. So I was like, all right, you're a musical instructor. You know, can you sing? Let me hear you sing a song. So this is what happened at the last episode of Michael Jr.'s Break Time. Check it so you're a musical director. Cool. Yes, sir. All right. So um, let me get a couple. Let me get a couple bars of like uh, "Amazing Grace." Can you do the first part of that? Let me, go ahead. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Wow, that bro a sing. You know what I'm saying? All right, all right. Uh, Now, once you give me the version is if uh, your uncle just got out of jail, you got shot in the back when you was a kid. I'm just saying, let me see the hood version real quick. If you know which version I'm talking about, just see if that exists. Let me see what you got. Wee! I want you to catch. The first time I asked him to sing, he knew what he was doing. The second time, he knew why he was doing it. When you know your why, your what becomes more impactful because you're walking towards or in your purpose.
0: Amen. Amen. And now you know why I didn't need to sing it, right? All right. Yeah. I mean, I got that in my soul, but it didn't come out through my mouth. So what I figure is going to happen to me is when I go to heaven, I'm going to be able to sing like that. Anybody else want to sing like that when you get to heaven? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I have all that uh, heart come out through my voice and it sound good and on key. And everybody else go, "Ooh, that's nice. Rather than what they do right now. So our purpose on your outline is to grow Christ followers, to grow Christ followers, that everyone knows what it means to grow. I mean, that's simple, that healthy things, living things grow. And everyone, whether you're a believer in Jesus or not, knows at least what the name Christ means or is. Whether they follow him or not, you could go around the world and most of the world would still know the name Jesus Christ. Or still know somebody that might be a Christian or have some ideas about Christians. And then that word followers. Again, it's a word we know. And, and you know, we might look at it different ways. Uh, On modern day vernacular, you might say a fan or even a fanboy. Um, but biblically, we know that means a disciple. And a disciple, if you haven't written it down before, is a student, a learner. But the best description is an apprentice. Someone who's learning from a master and working with them hands-on and training. And so when we use the phrase to grow Christ followers, we're talking about growing disciples in Jesus, growing apprentices in Jesus. Growing Christ followers is that we are disciples following Jesus. So we'll use that phrase in a couple different ways. And the first major point on your outline is this. Growing Christ followers... It's who we are. Growing Christ followers, it's who we are. And so that's on there now. It's who we are. And we use that phrase there as a noun, nominally, if you're an English geek, okay? So think about it this way if I were to say, I am a pastor. Well, pastor in that sentence is a noun. It's describing who I am. It's my job, right? If I said, we are Southview Baptist Church, Southview Baptist Church, a phrase is a noun. And so when we use it that way and I say, I am a growing Christ follower, that's who I am. That's my being. That's existence. So this first major point in your outline, right out beside it, me. And the second major point is we. So this is about the me, this is who I am. And the second major point in your outline is about the we, and it's what we do together. So I want to take some time in this first point to talk to us about who we are as individuals, the me. That I am a growing Christ follower. So, before we get too critical of this phrase of growing Christ follower, let's consider it. I mean, our church adopted this uh, purpose statement. Values and vision back in June, and that's why I'm preaching about it now to help remind us of these things and why we do what we do, and next week uh, how we do what we do, and then the what we're doing it for with the vision uh, two weeks from now. But let's talk about this idea of growing, and we consider plants. I mean, these plants up here are fake; they're made out of plastic and silk or heaven knows what, right? But real plants are they always actively growing? I mean, you think about a tree. I've got some trees in my yard. And my trees, they put down roots in the ground. And they bring up the nutrients in the water and all that sort of stuff. And then they have leaves. And the leaves get uh, the sun's rays. And they help do this crazy scientific stuff that God ordained them to do. And it grows. Matter of fact, my dad who's here, my mom and dad are here um, uh, for, well, maybe a couple weeks. That's good. Um, Observed that one of my trees in my backyard hadn't grown as well as the other. And I'm like, well, it doesn't look. Two disease, but the leaves are kind of shriveled and it's small where the other one's gone. What's the difference? I don't know. But you think about a tree in the wintertime. Is a tree in the wintertime growing? I mean, it's still there, but the leaves are probably gone depending on what kind of tree it is. If it's deciduous, they're gone. It's like my oak tree, it holds onto the leaves till springtime, then it lets go. It's a stubborn tree. And so it's not actively growing. But it's still a healthy tree and it's in a dormant state with the potential to grow. So some of you this morning might be sitting here right now thinking... I wish Pastor Aaron wouldn't talk about being a growing Christ follower. Because if I'm honest right now, I would say I'm not growing as a Christ follower. Yes, I'm sitting here in church, but my relationship between me and Jesus, it ain't happening. I can't remember the last time I read my Bible. I don't pray unless I'm in trouble or it's a meal and I think somebody's looking and I need to look like I'm a Christian. You know, I I just don't. So before you get down on yourself and let the devil to beat you up, you need to remember that maybe you're in that dormant state, and it might be your own choice. It might be sinfulness. It might be something you need to confess or do something with, certainly. But you still have the potential to grow. And so I want to call out that potential in you and say, hey, today could be your springtime. Today could be the time when, you know, the sun comes out and the temperature of the soil warms up, and you say, man, it's time to grow again. Let's put out some leaves and do what God intended us to do. Consider humans. I mean, once we grow up, we reach our mature height, we get our grown-up teeth and all sorts of other stuff, but do we stop growing? I mean, I know I've pretty much had the same hairstyle for the past 30 years, but I still have to get my hair cut. My hair still grows. I still have to trim my fingernails and my skin still grows. And Well, we're not going to go there and talk about that. Any more than that mentioned in some of us, you know, we stop growing up, but we start growing out and that's growth. Then maybe we need to grow back. I mean, yes, we still grow because we are living beings. So here's my point, talking about trees and talking about humans and how we grow. Not all growth looks the same, not all growth looks the same. And we may be at different periods of faster growth or slower growth or dormancy in our growth. So don't allow your lack of growth up until this very point to condemn you and the devil to try to tempt you to believe that you're less than God intends for you. Because friends, God has a purpose for you. God has a purpose for me. And He's put within us the potential to grow, to be like Jesus in ways we've never intended before And that's what we want to talk about. So your first question there asks, how do I become a Christ follower? How do I become a Christ follower? Because if you're going to grow as a Christ follower, first you have to be a Christ follower, which means there's a decision, there's an act of your will, there's a commitment in time in which you promise yourself to follow Him. Not unlike getting married you know, you know you're going to get married because, well, you've got to think about it. You've got to like the person. You've got to ask them to marry you. And most of us set a date for some sort of wedding ceremony. And, and you know, then we exchange vows in front of God and everybody and sign a certificate for the state. And, pooh, we're married, Right. When you become a follower of Jesus, you've got to make a decision, an act of a will that may take some time to build up to. But then there's a point in time when you say, yes, this is it. This is when I cross the line from somebody who's lost without hope and without a personal relationship to Jesus. Do I put my faith in Jesus and I know I'll still sin, but I know I'm a sinner saved by God's grace. Sometimes we get confused in church. And even the language we use, friends, I just want to warn us, when you're talking to somebody that's not a believer in Jesus, be careful of the language you use. Look at their face and their nonverbal to see if they're tracking with you. If you talk about getting saved and people are kind of going, "Mm," I mean, they don't know what the word saved means. If you talk about... Committing your life to follow Jesus. You need to explain that. So we use this Christian ease of becoming a Christ follower. None of it's wrong. It's rooted in Scripture. I mean, salvation, commitment, trust, being washed in the blood. All those things is there. But we've got to know what it means. So let's just review. And we're going to use what they do in Vacation Bible School. You can write down ABC on your outline there. A, B, C, because A is admit admit to God that you are a sinner. A is admit to God that you are a sinner. The first step in trusting Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord is to admit to God that you're a sinner. Romans 3.23 says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's me personally saying I am a sinner. I'm not just looking and say that Dee Sawyer lady over there, I know she's a sinner. I saw her do something ugly last week. It's saying I'm a sinner. And if you know Dee, she's a sweet lady and I knew I could pick on her for that. The B is believe that Jesus is God's son. Believe that Jesus is God's son. Think about John 3.16. That as many as believed him, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him, God's one and only son, Jesus, would have eternal life. And then the C is commit that, or excuse me, confess Jesus as my Savior and Lord confess Jesus is my savior and lord. So that's different than confessing your sins that was admitting to God you're a sinner the first point, right? But that is confessing Jesus as your savior and lord and that's Romans 10:9 if you confess with your mouth because you believed in your heart that God raised him from the set the uh, Jesus from the dead you will be saved. And that confession of Jesus publicly you see throughout scripture and that's what we should do. Now You've got a scripture reference written down there. We need to turn to that if you haven't already. John 1.12. John 1.12. I've quoted it before and you may know it. But maybe you don't have it memorized. And we need to look it up anyhow. If you've admitted to God that you're a sinner. You believe Jesus is God's son. And you've confessed Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Then you are adopted, John 1, 12, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Can I get an amen? How do you get to be a Christ follower? You make a decision, an act of your will, to commit yourself to follow him, that he is your Lord, your Savior, your boss. And he is in charge of your life, and you're not in charge anymore. The problem is most of us take the keys back. And we hold on to the keys and we drive our life around ourselves all the time. And Jesus might not be in the you know, co pilot seat, the passenger seat. He might not even be in the back seat. Maybe we got Jesus tied up in the trunk, right? Because we are that far away from Him in the way that we are running our lives. But just a reminder, friends... God loves you, and He gave His one and only Son, Jesus, to save you. And if you have been saved, He has a purpose for your life that is beyond what you know right now. Maybe you need to surrender afresh today. Your second question there is How do I grow as a Christ follower? How do I grow as a Christ follower? Well, we're a church, and, you know, we do things. And we have plans for you. And I get up here and tell you things. And then we also invite you to Sunday school and say, hey, you can go to Bible school or you can go to Awana or you can go to, um, you know, a, a Bible study. And you should read your Bible on your own, you should pray on your own, maybe you should do a Bible study on your own, Bible reading plan, I mean meditate, journal, we can give you all sorts of ideas of how you grow as a Christ follower, but that's where this me and this we comes in. You've got to do some on your own and some with others, and the Bible is quite clear that there are some things you have to do for yourself, and other things you need others to help you do, and that's why we are a church, that's why we come together, Scripture does not have... Lone Ranger believers. Scripture does not have Lone Ranger believers. Every believer in Scripture, a Christ follower, is in community, in relationship with other believers in Jesus, other Christ followers, in order that they might grow. We have our easy days, our successes. We have our hard days and our failures, the things that challenge us as we grow. Pastor Aaron Loy. Who if you don't know. Is no longer at Mosaic Church here in Lincoln. But is now the supervisor of church planning. For their whole denomination. In southeastern United States. Said this. God often uses our failed plans. To bring about change in us. God uses failure to help us grow. Listen to what 2 Corinthians 417, you'll probably know that in another version, but the Good News Translation, I don't often quote, says it this way. It says, this small and temporary trouble we suffer will bring us a tremendous and eternal glory, much greater than the trouble. That God uses our hearts, God uses our troubles to grow us. Pastor Rick Warren said, God's purpose is greater than your problems and your pain." That our problems and our pain all lead us towards becoming who God wants us to be. How we grow as Christ followers. And remember the promise of Psalm 138.8. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Everybody say that after me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Can I get an amen? Amen. His purpose for you that is exceedingly abundantly beyond all you ask or imagine, He, God, the sovereign God, will fulfill it for you. It says your love is eternal. Do not abandon the work of your hands. God won't abandon the work of His hands in your life. There are times when life is not good that we think, man, where is God in this? And God is right there with you. And He's allowing you to hurt, maybe even causing you to hurt, in order that He might bring about in you something that you could not have imagined or done on your own. Let's get to your next scripture reference. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 tells us how to respond. So you're in John, turn over through the epistles and get to Philippians chapter 2. You guys know I love this passage of scripture. Paul reminding us of who we should be. How can I preach on our being as Christ's followers? I told myself when I was wrestling with this scripture, that scripture and the other. Without mentioning this one. Paul says if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. OK, so did Jesus do anything for you? You got any good feelings about that? If any comfort from his love, have you been reassured given hope because of god's love for you if any fellowship with the spirit do you know the holy spirit is within you and helps you make it through life and understand things if you got any tenderness excuse me it doesn't say god if any tenderness and compassion so anything good ever come about in you because your relationship with jesus so that should pretty much cover all of us thank you paul Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Hey, time out there, Paul. Uh, You know, selfish ambition and vain conceit, that's kind of normal for me. I mean, I can go down that road all the time. It's a well-worn path. I know how to be selfish. I know how to be vain. I know how to be prideful. And I can even go so far at times as being arrogant, nasty to be around if you get my way. Because I want to do it my way. And you're telling me I shouldn't live that way? But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. John Mark had his first soccer practice yesterday, and I'm not the head coach this time. Everybody give an amen. Amen. I mean, I'm not a soccer guy. I felt bad for those guys. We got this dude, Brandon. He's like this big old beefy dude. I looked at him, and I went, did you ever play soccer? I didn't say that, but that's what I'm thinking. Now, Coach Brandon, however, his three college roommates that are still good friends of his, were all college soccer players. So Coach Brandon got advice from the dudes that know. He said, oh yeah, in the past I had them come out and they taught me how to teach the boys. I was like, this dude is sharp. So he's this big, beefy dude that looks a little more like a defensive tackle in football than a soccer player. But he's studied up and he knows how to do it and he's been coaching boys now for six years and he's got his stuff down, man. Where am I going with the sermon illustration? <laughs> Humility. We do the whole soccer practice an hour and a half. And then at the end, he's giving one of those coaches' speeches when all the boys are still a little antsy and moving around and trying to get their stuff, you know, and messing with junk. And some of them are just sitting there drinking their water. Some of them are pouring their water out in ways that they shouldn't. I won't go there. And he says, boys, last thing I need you to know. Respect. He said, we will respect our teammates. We will respect the other team. We will respect the officials. And if I ever see you disrespecting anyone, I don't care who you are, you will come out and sit the rest of the game. You got that, boys? And I was going, man, I like this guy even more. Yes. We need to live our lives in such a way that we humble ourselves and value others above ourselves. And that... Looks like respect, not looking to our own interests, but the interests of others. It says there in verse four, verse five, your attitude, literally your mind should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Again, I want to pause and say, okay, I'm Paul. I mean, I know you're a man and you're a saint and, uh, you know, you wrote a good chunk of the Bible and stuff like that. But have you seen my mind? It sure doesn't look like Jesus's. But he says should be. Verse six, who being in very nature, God, and he goes on to describe Jesus for us as an example for us, did not consider equality with God, something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. We're to be like Jesus, who valued others above himself, respected and honored them because he was humble, served others. And so as a growing Christ follower, when I think about who I am and I look at that picture of who Jesus was and I look at the picture of who I am and I go, man, I got a long way to go. Yeah, you got a whole lifetime to work it out. But don't give up. Don't stop. Continue to pursue that purpose that God has for you, that your existence would be like Jesus. And when people see you, they see Jesus. So that's the me. But let's go on to the we. Your second major point on your outline is this. Growing Christ followers, it's what we do. It's what we do, and now I'm talking about the we, we as a body of believers, we as Christ followers ourselves that join together, what we do in order to help other people grow as Christ followers, how we grow together. And I want to call us to think about our intentionality of our purpose in doing this. Andy Stanley said, you're going to end up somewhere, so you might as well end up there on purpose. That we have to have purpose in what we do. Psalm 57 2 says, I call to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. What are we going to do on purpose? How are we going to get there? You've heard the saying before that if you aim at nothing, you'll probably hit it. And I wonder if so much of the time in our church we come together. And we like each other and we're nice to each other here. And we have good fellowship in Sunday school. And come time for us to volunteer for stuff you guys turn out. And it's great. And, but if we're not purposeful enough, starting from me, going to our leaders, going to all of us and what we do. And we're not fulfilling the purpose God intends for us as a church because we haven't clearly identified that. What that is is to grow Christ's followers. And so everything we do needs to be bounced off of that. We've got another slide I asked Chris to put in there. And it's our values. And our values that we just adopted June 4th. The first one is Bible engagement. Go ahead. The second one is a worshipful lifestyle. So not just worship when we come to church. But worship is all we do in service to God to show that He is worthy. And then our third one is intentional relationships that we know that we've got to take time to invest in a relationship. And that's more than Sunday morning. Our fourth one is gifted service that all of us are shaped uniquely for God's service. We have spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality and experience. A shape, spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality and experience that make you unique. You're the only you there is. And But God didn't give you those to just sit still. He gave you those to serve others. Then our last one is gospel sharing. And our lives should be of sharing the good news. Yet, if you look at those and you say, which is most actual of Southview Baptist Church? Which is most aspirational? We know we should do it, but we don't do it. Well, that's next week's sermon. This is just an advertisement. We have got to be on purpose in engaging the Bible, worshiping not just on Sunday morning, developing relationships, serving one another, and sharing the gospel. That's the we of who we are, and it really becomes what we do. We've proposed an amendment to our bylaws that includes a new church council. So, right now, we have four standing committees. Our Budget and Finance Committee, our Personnel Committee, our Properties Committee, and our MAP Committee, Ministry Assessment and Placement Committee, kind of like the Committee on Committees. And those four standing committees, based on the members there and the ex-officio members and the, uh, so on, comprise 20 people. We proposed going to one church council with six members plus me, so seven. So 20 people to seven people to streamline our administration in our church, and hopefully, therefore, improve our communication as well, so we can do a better job at reaching our purpose, fulfilling our values, and becoming what we believe God's envisioned us to do. Now, one thing I've got to mention, those four committees to one church council, that doesn't change our ministry structure at all. You still have Student ministry and Awana ministry and children's ministry and all those things are still the same and all run by the same people, all making their decisions the way they've done them before. We're just talking about the administrative committees of the church. It's how we, as a church, are choosing to say maybe we should do things differently in order to do things better. So let's get to your first question on that. Second portion, and that is how do I lead others to a relationship with Jesus? It was our own Gary Bales, and the Bales have, have moved and we miss them, that said discipleship and individuality are antonyms. Discipleship and individuality are antonyms. In other words, they don't go together. Synonyms are the same, antonyms are opposite. In order to be a disciple, you have to be together with others. E. Stanley Jones said, The one supreme business of the life, of life is to find God's plan for your life and to live it. And that is with others. 1 Peter 3.15 tells us that we have to be ready at all times to have an answer for anyone who asks us for the hope within us. And we're to do this with gentleness and respect. So, how do I lead others to a relationship with God? With gentleness and respect. You go back to what Paul told us to have humility, to honor others above ourselves, to put others above us, and to think of how we lead others to a relationship with Jesus. Now, I'm using that term broadly. I'm talking about those who are not yet believers in Jesus and as we seek to share Christ with them in order to share the gospel with them in order that they might trust Jesus as their Savior. But I'm also talking about people that are believers in Jesus already, but maybe they're not as far along as you are. They're not as mature as you are in their knowledge or in their application of their knowledge. And I'm reminding us, friends, that we need to be gentle and humble about that. And the way that we... Talk to people. Confront people. Counsel people. Paul tells us to take care. Peter tells us to take care. Let's get to your second application question there. How do I enable others to grow like Jesus? If you consider your life, how is it that you are enabling others to grow like Jesus? I didn't say, what are you doing? I asked, how are you are doing it? I want to know the manner in which you do it. Are you living a life in such a way that you are enabling rather than hindering others to grow like Jesus? Jeff Org says this, the ultimate reason God assigned me to any position was because he could best or he could best use that position at that time to accomplish his purpose of shaping me into the image of Jesus. Have you considered that when God puts you in a role, parent, spouse, family member, Sunday school teacher, greeter at the door, pastor, worship leader, musician, that the reason that He has you in that role in this church is to do something in you. Have you considered that when God puts you in a role, administrative assistant, accountant, farmer, business owner, factory worker, nurse, that He's got you in that role in order that He might do something in you And as He does something in you, that's growing. And then you can bless others by your growing. That the me relates to the we. And that the two things are inextricably tied together because that's how God intends it. As I was studying this week, I I tweeted, You don't know a plumber who doesn't fix pipes. Yet we all know Christians who don't follow Christ. My conviction was that we need to live like Jesus. And how we live like Jesus, that people would see that. And it's not so much what we know as it is what we do. Or excuse me, let me say that the right way. It's not so much what we know, it's what we obey. Because I know lots of stuff. And you might think, wow, that Pastor Aaron, he knows lots of stuff about the Bible. Yes, that's my job. That's what you pay me for. But I don't sure know know enough. There's a lot more to know. But God doesn't care about what I know. He cares about what I obey. Now, apply that to you. Whether you've been in church for one month or whether you've been in church since nine months before you were born. God doesn't care what you know. He does care what you obey. Because where you disobey, very well may be sin. And not only are you hindering your own growth as a Christ follower, you're hindering the growth of others where your me runs into the we. So let's come back to Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Come back to where we started with this sermon. And this scripture that I've preached a sermon on before. And I won't preach another sermon on it right now. That says let us consider. How we may love. Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together. As some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. I heard a preacher once say that this is a scripture that's like a salad bowl. It's filled with lettuce. That was so terrible you didn't even laugh. Not one of you. (laughs) Let us. Let us. It is what we do together, but it is active. That we are using who we are. Each of us are me to impact the we of someone else. And so let's put that on the board, it's already there, screen, excuse me, and let's say it together, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up, meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. That day is the last day, the day in which Christ comes. And if you haven't put up your outlines yet, one more question for you to write down and consider. And that's this, when we consider being a follower of Jesus. And we consider the purpose to which God has called us to live for. Here's your question. What do I need to die to in order that I might truly live? What do I need to die to in order that I might truly live. Let's pray together. God, our Father, you have made us to love you. And not just to love you by saying, oh, God is great, I love him. But by who we are and what we do and how we do it, that we demonstrate the purpose of our lives is to follow you. And we're not a stagnant or dormant Christ follower. But we are an active, growing Christ follower. That we're not always going to get it right. And we certainly need to confess our sinfulness and our shortcomings. Our disobedience to your direction for our lives. And your commandments for our behavior. And we do that now, Father. But that our hearts are committed to following you. To growing as Christ followers. And that as each of us grows. And our me becomes more like Jesus. That we also might be convicted about the we. Of sharing with. Encouraging. Honoring. Loving others. And therefore helping them to be more like Jesus as well. So God when we consider our purpose as a church. It may be that we need to do some confessing. Of our individual parts and how we have related to others. It may be that we need to do some celebrating and give some thanks to others around here and tell them thank you for being you because you helped me to be more like Jesus. God, whatever it is we need to do, would you encourage us to be obedient and do it now? And certainly, God, we pray if there's anyone here who's never admitted. To you that they're a sinner. Believed that Jesus is God's son. And confessed their faith in him as their Savior and Lord. That they would do that right now. It's in Jesus name we pray. Amen.